Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. split screen here I am too there's Tony and Megan here and with Megan Thompson coaching and I just want to introduce Tony a little bit and and start to have this conversation here we're going to talk about uh, Tony and her experience in shifting out of a fried mama state and knowing exactly what to do to manage the meltdown stop the meltdown cycle in her home and we're going to speak about what it took and and how you got there. So, Tony, what I'd love to do at this point is just have have you introduce yourself and uh, discuss the the biggest result that you've experienced recently in managing the intensity in your home for your for your sons. So, yeah, welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm really glad to be having this conversation with you, Megan. <laughs> so let's see. Before I came, before I found out about you. I was a college professor teaching psychology. My background, my educational background, as well as my professional background was focused around child development and parenting. And I'd done parenting, edu- I mean, I'd given parenting education. <laughs> um, and so it was especially confounding that I was, despite everything I knew, I couldn't figure out what to do about what was happening in our home. Um, so let's see, I was trying to talk about who I am. Um, yeah, that's who I am. That's, <laughs> that's uh, um, before I, before I started boot camp, I had, my oldest was four and a half and we had an eight month old and it had been four and a half years of, um, hard to even put into words I mean he was I know some people kind of figure out later that their kids are highly sensitive and it was evident from you know day one or day two with Mm -hmm. him um and I knew enough to identify that right away for Mm -hmm. sure Mm -hmm. and I thought that I should know enough to know how to handle it Mm -hmm. and so I tried all the things I knew and then tried more and more and more. I mean, I tried four and a half years worth of trying. And his suffering and my suffering and my husband's suffering just intensified over time. So let's talk about that. What what were the biggest issues that you were dealing with on a a daily basis for your family? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. At the point that I met you or like leading up to you that. Can speak about your journey. I'm sure people are curious about what, um, you know, where you were struggling, what, you know, four and a half years, obviously, where <laughs> we have a time limit on the conversation, right. but, <laughs> but let's, let's speak about what you noticed for your son as he was little, but then what that looked like at four to four and a half and, sure. and the intensity within which you were struggling. 
Yeah, so our second was born when our oldest was almost four. And so that was, I mean, this is kind of absurd to say. I was going to say that was the point when it became unmanageable. But that's absurd because I don't know how I could label what was happening before that as manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, but that mm. was a real, like, that was the last straw in a situation where I think I'm going to mix metaphors here, but where we were like already at the end of our rope. Yeah. Um, not like we were chugging along just fine. And then we had the baby and things fell apart. Yeah. We were barely surviving. Mm. And then we had the baby and we got into a place of like, we can't even keep barely surviving. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can get more into that, but yeah, I can give a, just a brief history of what our experience with was with him before that. So, We knew he was highly sensitive in like his reaction to sensory stuff. Um, He has never, well now he does. So at that point he had never really enjoyed being around people outside Mm -hmm. of his small little bubble of people he was really comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So being in public um, was just too loud and overstimulating. Um, Playdates. As he got older, he liked the idea of playdates because he knew that's a thing that kids did, mm-hmm. but it was just way too stressful for him. And he spent most of playdates like either on my lap, clinging to me, hiding in my, like hiding his face in me, or um, he didn't, he wouldn't have meltdowns on playdates because he, he was embarrassed about that. But, mm-hmm. um, so it was just like none of the areas of our of his life and subsequently our lives were functional, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, from the time he was really young, I mean, from those early, you know, I remember the first few days realizing that, like, just him being a baby that cried, he was, like, asleep or nursing or crying. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that went on for a really nine months. I don't mm-hmm. know, a long mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I valued his sensitivity from the beginning. Um, like, kind of have so to. <laughs> like, there's no other way around it. <laughs> Not early. But, like, I didn't resent him for it. Okay. Um, and I know that, I think my husband maybe did. Um, mm-hmm. Like, my husband had that, like, why couldn't we just have, I mean, I don't want to paint my husband in a bad light here, but, but had that, like, this is so frustrating. Why yeah. can't our kid just be like other kids. Yes. Right. And he would say, here's what, you know, my coworkers were all talking about X, Y, Z with their kid. And like, are we doing it wrong? Why isn't that happening? I'd be like, we're not doing it wrong. They don't have our kid. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can't really tell you why what we're doing is not working. I don't know. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I have now forgotten the question you asked me. Well, let's talk about what it was like between ages four, four and a half, you know, before we met, the major major behaviors that you were seeing and how frequently were the meltdowns and and all yeah. that as well yeah so um i was worried about how he would respond to having a new baby and we did a lot of prep mm-hmm. we did a lot of prep i have i mean i consider myself being really skilled in a lot of these things and we worked so hard to have him like have an accurate picture of what it was going to be like and have like he started doing sleepovers at his grandparents house before the baby was born so that like he could have that other place he could go and we we did everything we could think of to do and 
he was sort of okay at first when the baby was born. Um, and then he, it didn't take long. I mean, I, I think the, you know, the baby was probably like a month old, maybe a little older and he started being really violent toward him. Mm. And so, whereas prior to that, I mean, I was talking about, we couldn't go on play dates. We couldn't, you know, dropping him off at preschool was impossible. Um, him sleeping was impossible, which meant me sleeping was impossible. So it's like we had all of these struggles, but then we got to this point where our newborn's being punched in the face. Yeah. And so that's a different level of like, we can't go another day. Yeah. Um, it's, it wasn't safe. Our baby wasn't physically safe. And mm-hmm. um, a newborn is really vulnerable, obviously. And so, yeah, he would punch him. He would, one time he, baby must have been a little bit older because he was sitting up. Maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, I think he pushed him over. And so the baby was lying down on the ground and he was trying to stomp on his head. Mm-hmm. Like, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, and what broke my heart about that, like on top of the fear about the physical danger was, he hated that he did that. Yeah. Yeah. He felt awful about it. I knew he felt awful about it. Right. Um, he would, I remember one time he woke up in the middle of the night and was like, I don't even think he was fully awake. Um, but he was like, mama, mama. And I don't remember how it started because it was a while ago, but he was like, I'm sorry that I, and he said something he'd done like months prior. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I know, I know, it's okay. And then he was like, I'm sorry that I hurt the baby. And mm-hmm. he listed off, like, this list of things that had been over a period of months. And I was like, oh, my goodness, he's carrying this around in him. Right. He, this four-year-old is, like, repeating his list of transgressions yep. in his head to himself. And yes. that is heartbreaking. Yeah. I'm chills um, hearing it, just knowing what a beautiful soul yeah. he is. Right. Yeah. And so I guess I guess what I'm trying to the picture I'm trying to paint is like, this isn't just a mean kid. No, 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 (laughs) not at all. No kid is mean kid on purpose. Right. And with that being said, highly sensitive kids, especially, you know, obviously yours, but all all highly sensitive kids have such big hearts. And so it is not out of malice that they hurt others. Right. And I'll admit I wavered on that sometimes because Mm -hmm. I would be like, do we just have a sociopath on our hands? Like, is that... Because other four-year-olds aren't punching babies in the face. Right. Like, that, that's not what kids do. Right. Like, I understand that when a new baby is born, there might be people acting out. Yeah. I didn't have any friends who had had that happen. Right. Right. Um, and so I definitely had those moments of, like, questioning, like, what is wrong with him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then coming back to... he doesn't have the skills to handle the situation that he's in yeah. and his behaviors are showing that. And I don't know what to do to help him. Mm-hmm. Um, so how many times a day? So that violence was happening like any opportunity that he got. Wow. So he would walk into the room and if the baby was on the floor and there were no adults around or an adult around, but like not fast enough to swoop in and pick up the baby, he would go hit him. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like 
the baby, I mean, this was when the baby was too young to be taking his toys. So he wasn't yeah. provoking. Right. Um, it, it got to the point where the baby could take his toys and then that happened too. But yeah. um, it was just this like, ah, at the baby yeah. every single chance he got. Yeah. Um, and so it would spiral from there. Mm-hmm. So there would be that. And then he would feel terrible about that. And then also we would react in a way that would escalate it either like we kind of tried the whole spectrum of from like I don't want to say permissive because we weren't like permitting him to hurt the baby but just Mm -hmm. like um you know just like bringing full compassion to him Mm -hmm. and kind of ignoring what had happened and just kind of ushering him away versus talking to him sternly about it and um you know we had a period of time where this was before the baby could crawl so he was stuck wherever we put him and so he would be on a blanket on the floor and the rule was that our big kid couldn't go on the blanket which yeah. was like not didn't I mean didn't work right. and no, no way to live yeah. <laughs> yeah but just like we we tried so many things anyway yeah so many so it would spiral because there would be an incident of aggression or that wasn't the only kind of behavior that was that was problematic that was happening um but then once he lost it mm-hmm. it was like he would follow us like we'd pick up the baby and try and get the baby safe and walk away and he would follow us hitting us trying to hit the baby Mm -hmm. you know like reaching up trying to hit the baby while we were holding the baby up um and screaming and he's always had um you know throughout his life not felt comfortable being alone and so he like being in a room without an adult um and so if i like when I was at the end of my rope and like I've just got to go in the bedroom and close the door with the baby um he would be in full panic Mm -hmm. so it was like every step I took trying to remedy some part of the situation he would escalate yeah yeah and so it's sort of hard to say how many times a day it was happening because it was constant yeah Um, it was like rare that we weren't in that Wow. But instead of it flaring up, it would be like five to ten times a day. Yeah. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It took my full attention all day, every day. Yeah. And so for you, we you know, obviously with a newborn or even a, an older baby, not being able to sleep through the night, nursing, right? Um, yeah. But then let's talk about what it was like energetically for you and and being able to manage that. I mean, that's so much hypervigilance. Did you ever get a break? (laughs) I'm trying to think if I ever got a break. Um, I mean, we got to the point where we never had both kids with one adult. Yeah. So that meant that we were always both on duty mm-hmm. um, because that was the only way to keep the baby safe. Yeah. yeah. And so like even, I mean, if there was one adult, I mean, that was our, that was our, our ideal was to have two adults. Um, and otherwise we would be wearing the baby, but he still would hit him or he would come up and bite his dangling foot or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like we really needed one to one. Mm-hmm. Which, that's not sustainable. No. I mean, that's, you can't parent like that when you have multiple children. Right, right. Um, and so, you know, we moved into the 
pandemic and preschool ended. Um, so that had been that had been a little bit of reprieve that we got was yeah. he went to preschool two full days a week. And then that we lost that. And my parents stepped up to help with childcare more, but we couldn't send both kids. Right. Um, Cause that wasn't safe. Mm-hmm. So um, it was constant. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely mm-hmm. constant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So when you think about being in that position, it's also true that there was a pandemic going on. And so some parents might think, okay, I just need to hold on in survival mode till we get him back into school. Or I just need to, you know, maybe this is just a phase and we can see if he can, you know, if he grows out of it. So my question to you at this point, Tony, is why was it so important for you to fix it now at that point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope I remember the three answers I have in my head so I can say all of them. Um, but the first <laughs> one was because, like, that next push could have been fatal. Yeah. Wow. Like, he was pushing the baby over so hard with his head slamming into the ground mm-hmm. um, that, I mean, so that was one piece of our urgency is... Yeah. Um, yeah, there was like the baby was in physical danger. Um, the other thing is we were so fried, both my husband and I were, and it was like, I mean, the stress was just compounding partially because we didn't ever get a break. Mm -hmm. And so our skillfulness was diminishing, Mm -hmm. um, our patience Mm -hmm. and, um, I think at one point, I mean, Frequently, my husband and I would have the conversation of like, what are we going to, we have to do something. Like we have to do something different than what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And, um, we already had a team of professionals on board. I mean, we can talk about that if that comes up. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think there was just one conversation where I can't remember what had happened that day. It, It may have been like a particularly stressful day, or maybe we had just hit a wall. Um, but my husband was like, we have like we have to do something we yeah. really have to do something mm-hmm. um and i think i was on the phone with you within a week at that point i mean it took me a little bit to find your name and um get on your schedule but mm-hmm. um we were like this is it's not just a hard thing that we can wait out it's mm-hmm. our family is miserable mm-hmm. and we knew he wasn't going to grow out of it because while the stuff with the baby was new, um, his reactivity to things and his big emotions that would just snowball. And despite all of our really, I mean, I think that not, I think I know I had a lot of skills coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, so despite me doing all of that, it was still a full-time job parenting him trying to get him to a baseline where he was like sort of enjoying life like that was our goal that we were trying to get to yeah Um, like to do a fun activity like go swimming or play with a friend or a thing that kids that a lot of kids enjoy Mm -hmm. um to get to a point where it could be like not a complete disaster and maybe a few drops of fun in there like that was our goal that we had our eyes on yeah um so that was before the baby was born Right. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, that's how we knew that this, we can't see where this goes. Right. Right. We're already seeing where this goes. 
So what did you try in terms of professional support before we met? So um, just in terms of um, like casual contact with professionals, a lot of my friends and people in my circle are in the field of mental health or um, early childhood education or like that. that's kind of my yeah. social circle. Yeah. And so the free professional help that we got is just like me talking to my friends who are a well-educated bunch of people yeah. who gave me some ideas. And for the most part, they were things that either we'd already tried mm-hmm. or knowing my kid, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you try this consequence system or why don't you? And like, that is not, um, I mean, that was a thing I knew intuitively about him, just how he's wired that, yeah. um, or maybe not intuitively, like I had the education, but that um, getting firmer with consequences or getting like, um, that just sends him spiraling. Right, right. So there was, there was that, um, he was in occupational therapy, mm-hmm. um, mostly looking at um, sensory processing mm-hmm. and um, a couple months out of boot camp, we stopped doing OT because, um, he still has those sensitivities and he and I now have the relationship where we can manage that. Yeah. Um, but so we, we had tried that. Um, I hadn't wanted to take him to a mental health therapist because I just couldn't imagine that working. Um, knowing how he takes, well, it's not even true about him anymore, but how it used to be true that, it took him, you know, six to nine months to warm up to a new person. Yeah. Um, and even if he did do that, he's not going to, like, how is he going to get through content with a therapist? Like, it's just, like, um, I knew that that wasn't a thing that we were going to do. But I always said, and this sounds so sad to hear myself say it now, like, well, of course, at some point we're going to have to get him into therapy because, like, this is going to get worse. And at some point he's going to need this help. Yeah. Um, and, like, maybe when he's a teenager he'll be able to do that. Yeah. Um, Because I just didn't see a way out at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, We um, had already sought a lot of parenting support. So, um, uh, you know, there's a parenting educator who I really admire, whose work is awesome in our community, who I had um, done a lot of workshops with her. And they aren't tailored to highly sensitive children. Mm -hmm. So it was all great stuff. It was like... It was good. It was really, really good. And we were bringing it home. And I mean, for the most part, actually, I was sitting through those classes and I was like, I'm already doing this stuff. Yeah. This is, we are having these problems after me already In doing all In addition to that. Yeah. 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 Um, or it would be things that I was like, okay, in theory, that makes sense. And then I come home and try and apply it. And it, it's like, we are in survival mode. So how am I supposed to get the energy to apply that? Right. Um, and then we also worked with a parent coach who, um, is not local, who works with people internationally. And again, who I really liked, I like her work Mm -hmm. and, um, she does know some about highly sensitive children. And I did, um, uh, like a workshop with her on that. Mm -hmm. And it was, I mean, I could have, like read a brochure and kind of gleaned what I got from that workshop. Mm -hmm. Um, And the biggest takeaway I got there was like, you need to connect with your child. I think something like that. (laughs) 
right? <laughs> oh, so, really? Like I need to build love <laughs> into my home, in my relationship with my kid? Like, yeah. Ah, interesting. <laughs> and so it's I so was hard. Yeah. I mean, I was already coming from a place of valuing that. Like I didn't need yeah. a professional to say that. And so right. I was already doing that. And that's how my tank was already so empty is that I'd spent four years pouring myself into my child literally 24 hours a day because he needed me he was waking up like 15 times a night yeah. I'm not exaggerating no. um for his first two years yeah yeah so I was there providing providing the connection and again <laughs> we were connected <laughs> at the hip <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was beyond empty yeah so how did you find me? Like, how did you, you know, how did that happen? Let's talk about that. Yeah. So, so I have a friend who had gone through your program previously and it's funny. She mentioned it when she started, um, and my ears kind of perked up and I didn't ask her for more information. Cause I was like, I don't even know why this is silly. I was, um, just like, it wasn't that I didn't think that it would work for us. I was like, I think I don't even have the energy to um, put into that. Mm -hmm. So like, how great that she found a thing that um, she's working really hard at. And then I just kind of watched from the sidelines as she went through it. And she's a good friend who I knew a lot about what her parenting struggles had been. Mm -hmm. And so as she started saying like, and this thing isn't happening before anymore. And I was like, oh my goodness. And that's mm -hmm. a thing that for years mm -hmm. has been like you're not just talking about a little issue that like now my kid won't do his chores and I need to get him to but like places that she had been so stuck and places like everything I just explained about how much energy I'd been pouring in she had been also yeah and so I watched and I was like this is incredible mm -hmm. this is like, this is um I saw her family transform completely and I still didn't ask her for your name <laughs> she hadn't she hadn't used her name when she was talking about any of that. I was just like, wow, that's so great for her. That's awesome <laughs> for her. <laughs> and then when I got to that day that I'd mentioned earlier where we were like, we have to do something. Mm -hmm. I still didn't ask her for your name, <laughs> but I asked, like, what should I do here? Yeah. And she was like, here's the person that I learned from. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I thought you were never going to tell me. <laughs> I don't know why I hadn't asked. <laughs> oh dating. my gosh, it's so freaking funny. I mean, it was like nine months. I think she did it like nine months before I did. Like six months. Stuff. Yeah, was, well, like, it's Ashley. Her interview's in here. So, like, right. she's literally on Facebook. She's Facebook famous in this group. <laughs> I just I think I spent those seven months like, I hope Ashley gives me a hand at some point how I can also have what she had. So, Obviously, hindsight, I should have asked. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's really a testament to where I was, is I was, like, too depleted to even see my way oh. to Oh, yeah. That. Good point. But so mm. I asked her, and she gave me your name, and I immediately got on your website and booked a call. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was, mm -hmm. like, within 24 hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think it took a little while for me to get in with you, so it was probably a week later when I talked to you. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about what that what that meant for your family and, and that whole dynamic, because, you know, it's one thing for you to to find comfort and motivation and in, in what I do. But 
why did you think that it was going to be relevant for your whole family? Because obviously we work with, in two-parent households, we work with both parents. So, you know, what was one of the things that um, you knew or, or that you might have felt skeptical about before we got started? Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll talk some about my husband's experience. Personally, I actually wasn't skeptical because I had seen Ashley go through it. And mm -hmm. so I knew, um, I think I had faith vicariously through her faith in you and her success. Mm -hmm. And I saw that it wasn't, I mean, like I said, I'd already done classes. So I, I saw, I knew that it wasn't that. I knew that it was, um, uh, you know, I knew that it was called boot camp. Mm -hmm. And I knew what that meant, which is that, like, this is hard work that parents are going to put in to change the way that they've been approaching parenting. Mm -hmm. And you get results when you do it. Yeah. And so that just made sense to me. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, if you combine an expert who knows exactly about the problem that you're dealing with, and then you're willing to do the work, it works. Like, right. <laughs> One yeah. plus one equals two. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing exactly. to be skeptical about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I knew that you were that expert because of Ashley's experience. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as soon as Ashley finally graced me with your name, I... <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> I um, so went, went to your website and, and read all of the other testimonials there. And so that's that showed me that you were clearly, um, I think I even, I started, you know, going through the videos and your, um, in the, how to parent your highly sensitive child, like a ninja group, but I already knew. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I, I, I was like, I'm going to watch a bunch of videos so I can find out. And I watched a little bit of a video and I was like, okay, so <laughs> she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. She knows exactly what's going on in our home. And I knew that I, for both my husband and I, like we had just been to that point of like, we cannot keep doing what we've been doing. Mm -hmm. And so we will do whatever it takes. Yeah. Yeah. If it's going to be hard work, we would be honored to put in the hard work because we need this and we're committed to giving our kids a good life mm -hmm. and they we're having a terrible life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So did your husband have the same, uh, Let's do it. Sounds good. Yeah. Like, nope. <laughs> so he didn't say a hard no, but um, he is, he approaches everything with skepticism. And he also, um, I said that I came to it with like, I see that she's the expert and it takes hard work and I can do hard work. And so we'll do this. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't have that much faith in himself sometimes also. Mm -hmm. So he was like skeptical of you as the expert and skeptical of himself in terms of his ability to do the work and have success. Right. And so right. he had both of those issues holding him back. Mm -hmm. And his skepticism about you was like, who is this lady? We don't even know this lady. Like what, <laughs> why, why should we trust her and follow her program? Um, and what helped him make that decision was, um, watching the master class and seeing that obviously you know what you're talking about obviously you are the expert because mm -hmm. everything that was in there really resonated with him mm -hmm. and then two things that he noticed about your personality in the master class um, 
made you someone that he wanted to work with. Hmm. One was that, like, your demeanor, what you have right here is, like, even when we're talking about hard things, you're calm and even and patient. Mm-hmm. And so him, he's a highly sensitive person himself. Mm-hmm. And so being a highly sensitive person, he gets overwhelmed really easily. And so he, like other parenting experts who we've worked with, it's been like, here's a bunch of information at you that you're supposed to do. And he's like, that sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Wide-eyed and backing up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) how you talk. And you're just like, here's some information. Here's a step for you to take. Just here's a little thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then once we got into the program, he got to see that even more. So Mm -hmm. he knew that from watching the masterclass. But then in the program, he was like, oh, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. She is just like, here's a little tidbit. And he kept saying, I love how slowly she speaks (laughs) in her videos. And because my brain works really differently, I love that you can modulate the speed of the videos. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I could listen to it. Like, it's like we both got the speed we needed to take in the information at our pace. So it was tailored to both of us. Um... (laughs) (laughs) And then the other thing that really spoke to him was that you were real. You were a real person. So you're not just like um, a professional sitting there, you know, talking about your professional stuff. But you were like relatable and um, funny and engaging and um, like a real person that we could have a real conversation with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in terms of his him not being sure he often doesn't commit to things because he doesn't trust himself to follow through Mm -hmm. and you know it's probably partially about being a highly sensitive person really not wanting to fail and so I'm not going to try if I don't know that I can do it 100% yeah um and so part of that was him leaning on my faith Mm -hmm. like that was part of um a way that we as a team were able to make this decision for our family is he was like, okay, you think that it'll work? You think that I can do it? He didn't say these words, but like, you can carry me a little bit if yeah. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this, and I know you can do it. Yeah. So it was some of us bolstering each other that way. And then it was also him getting out of that. What if it, what if I can't do it? What if I'm not a good enough parent to I'm committed to being a good enough parent? Mm-hmm. There's no option here. It's not like what I give up on my kid. No, um, that's not a choice. And so I think that ju- he was just he got serious enough about it might be hard and I might not do it perfectly, and I'll keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's right, right. Um, right. So he really allowed himself to shift out of his perfectionism. I think he did. Stretched yeah. out of his comfort zone. Right. I remember our first conversation, he was wondering about that with, with me on the call. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to ask you to let him talk a little bit about that first. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and he was willing to not make his past decisions mean where he was going, right? right. And define where he was going and where he right. wanted to go. And right. so he was, he was very brave in that conversation. Yeah. He was really clear that like what we've been doing in the past has gotten us to where we are now. Right. 
and I put my foot down. We're not, this is not how our family is going to be. We can't live life. Right. Right. So I've got to do something different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what did you guys witness and experience right at the very beginning of boot camp, like getting started and, and putting the action steps in place? Yeah. So I'm trying to organize my thoughts so I don't give you like 30 answers because there's so much. <laughs> um, right away, just like starting to glean some of how we could shift the way that we think about how we're approaching parenting and some of how like learning how to shift our approach to parenting and mm-hmm. shift. Yeah, I think I keep trying to say the same thing in different words. Learning how to shift some of how we think, not even changing our behaviors, just changing like some of our thought patterns about it, um, things started to ease up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's not like, oh, we learned for you from you for a week and then we had no more meltdowns or no more hitting. Um, that took time, but it was like immediately, and I really mean like within the first couple of days, we could feel some wiggle room around these things that had been so entrenched that we thought this is just what we're gonna be dealing with forever. Yeah. Um, and so I remember we were like a few days in and my son hit me. He, and it wasn't even like, he would do aggressive hitting. I mean, he hit us also. I didn't even mention that cause that's not as dangerous as hitting the baby, but he, he, he bit me a lot. There was a lot, a lot of scars on my body from him biting. Um, so there would be aggressive and then there would also just be when he was like overstimulated and just like running around like a maniac and his body was just doing things yeah. and he like kind of bump into things and not accidentally though it was yeah. like part of things so so that happened we were a few days in that happened and i had this new headspace about it yeah from what i had started to learn from you and so i don't think i even said anything and maybe that's part of it but um but i my energy was different about it. Mm-hmm. And he paused and he said, oh, I don't want to hit you, mama. Mm-hmm. And then he gave me a hug. Yeah. And so that was a few days in and mm-hmm. I was like, oh my goodness, this is where we're heading. Right. Right. And I have chills experiencing that again with you, hearing that again. And I think part of that, because what is that? That is self-control, right? Intention right. right? for a four-year-old with this level of discontrol. You know, one of the things that I explain a lot or talk about a lot, one of the phrases is, um, you know, your, your kiddo can feel like pig pen's dust bubble, right? Just yes. all over, the, like, there's no organization, right? It's yeah. just frenetic energy. Yes. And at that moment, he put himself together and said, this is not who I want to be. Yeah. I want to be who yeah. I am. Yeah. Which is a loving boy. Yeah. Right. And so now, um, there's still some hitting because he's still four and four year olds sometimes hit, but we never, I mean, I can't remember the last time this has happened. It's been months. We never have the thing where there's a hit and then the snowball after yeah. that. It's oh, like yeah. now when it happens, 
um, rarely it's like that thing of um, like he hit me yesterday, which does not happen very often at all. In fact, I mean, I think it had been months, Mm -hmm. Um, but he hit me and then he immediately, he like his face froze mid hit his body was moving faster than his brain. Yeah. So he tried to inhibit it, but it had already happened. Yeah. And he looked at me and was like, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. And he said those words. That was just his love. He said, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And I said, I know you are. Mm -hmm. And we hugged Mm -hmm. and that was it. Yeah. So that was the thing that previously that was, that cycle was happening like five to 10 times a day where that was just a piece of the cycle. And the rest of the cycle was him screaming and crying and throwing things and writhing on the floor and biting. And it was just like kept going and going and going. And so, um, what, like what happened last night, I know like part of it's maturation because he's four, mm-hmm. um, he's going to keep developing impulse control. And part of it is we're, um, you know, continually growing and continually supporting him to learn new skills. Right. So he's going to get supported out of it and grow out of it. Yeah. And I know that, you know, that's, we're not, that's not going to happen. We're not going to have people hitting people in our home. Yes. That's it. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. And then to think, you know, five to ten times a day to go from that to not having hitting for months. That's not maturation, right? Like, that, I mean, obviously he's right, growing right. older. But, right. like, you guys did that for him, with him. We say that. I mean, I say that to my husband, like, a few times a week. Maybe even more often. <laughs> yes. Like, do you see this? Do you see? And he's like, I do. I do see this. <laughs> Um, like we did this because of the hard work that we put on in, he is, um, I mean the, the same thing, he was kind of out of sorts last night. And so I think this was after, I can't remember what First day of school, right? Yeah, or something uh, like first, no. Not going to school because but, of pandemic, but. Um, right, right. But like the. Yeah. Um, we're in a transition phase right now in our exactly. family. With yeah. But he was at the dinner table and just kind of like like that's what he was saying um and we have the figurines from inside out um in a little basket on our table and so I just handed him the basket yeah and he picked up sadness Mm -hmm. and showed it to me Mm -hmm. and that is amazing that like he never used to be able to I mean he did that like in the moment while it was happening not like later when he calmed down he could talk about it exactly Exactly, um, and then I was able to know what was going on for him. That's right. Um, and one thing that's really been amazing now that he's able to communicate how he's feeling is often I would have thought he was angry or I would have thought he was sad and it's worried. Right. It's almost worried. Right. Um, so like that worry that was just eating him up all the time, I didn't even know that was there. Right. Mm-hmm. And to think that at four, he can correct you in his own emotional experience and being accurate, right? Yeah. Yeah. A, a lot of parents, I mean, for, for you being in, in the mental health field and having that expertise, you can glean that that's possible, but at times not really know how to get there. But for some of the parents that we work with, and, and the, especially those who are in this group, not everybody knows what's possible for a four-year-old, right? Right. 
let alone an eight, nine, 10, 11 year old, right? Yeah. And knowing that your child at preschool age can name their emotions, communicate them in the moment, dissipate them, make yeah. mistakes and correct themselves by demonstrating empathy and not having that empathy go straight into shame and remorse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was just getting stuck in shame previously. Um, yeah, he's, he's like processing his emotions like you would want a healthy adult to. Yes. <laughs> That's it. It's so incredible. It's yeah. so, so incredible. Uh-uh. And this is him at four. And so I'm just it's amazing to imagine where he's headed now. Yeah. Like the strength that he's going to have and the skills that we have, because right. new problems are going to come up, obviously. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he hasn't even started kindergarten yet. So, yeah. Like there's a lot of life ahead of him. Yeah. And we know, I mean, the skills that we learn from you, we can generalize to whatever situation mm-hmm. as well as we can come back to you for more support when we need it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I have, that's another thing I keep saying to my husband is like, can you believe how lucky we are that we did this now? Mm-hmm. Imagine if we waited, you know, um, I mean, like now is the right time whenever now is. Because yeah. the longer you wait, the longer you're suffering, obviously. But, um, you know, like the just the more entrenched things get. Mm-hmm. And so us having done this now we have the tools for, I mean, I know adolescence is like down the road, but um, I feel equipped. Yeah. Check you out. Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. I mean, what parent of a, of a preschooler feels equipped to manage their child when, when they're in, in a teenager, like, but I'm not getting the sense of, of, you know, for the skeptics listening, that that's like Pollyanna-esque, like, oh, I'll figure it out when I'm, you know. It, right. No, certainty, like, you can hear it in your voice. I can see how, I mean, obviously the conversations we're going to have with him when he's 15 are different than four. Mm-hmm. But I can see how the foundation that we've laid now and the trust that we've mm-hmm. built with him now and the rapport that we have with him now and the tools that we have in our toolbox and the tools that we've taught him. Mm-hmm. All of those are going to grow with us. Mm-hmm. And when he's 15, we'll still be using them. Mm-hmm. And we won't be adversaries. We'll be teammates. That's it. That's what you want. Yeah. Wow. So knowing that, I, I think everybody's curious about how you are. Because when you think about what what some parents might think it takes to turn this around um you might perceive that you need to trade fried for fried like (laughs) so let's Mm -hmm. talk about your energy levels and your husband's energy level and and how often you guys are able to rest in your house with a parent you know parenting a four-year-old and a a just turned one-year-old yeah yeah oh my goodness it's amazing i mean and you might think that I was just exhausted because we've had a baby, but I have been this level of exhausted for almost five years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was, I mean, since our second child has been born consistently, our first child has been the one who's taken the most energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
we now can have one parent watch both kids, <laughs> which might not sound big, but if it, I mean, that is like, we're now using 50% of the parenting energy that we previously were, is a mathematical way to put that. that. Exactly. Cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that means that um, we both get time to, you know, do things that fill us up. My husband likes doing projects outside. I like, well, I still have a lot of backlog of organizing my home, but at some point I'll be done with that. And I will, you know, do my other hobbies. Um, and I mean, I get to be off duty as a parent. Um, mm. But even when I'm on duty, it's, I mean, I don't want to say it's always fun. Of course, it's not always fun. But I'm having fun with my kids. Yeah. So that wasn't happening before. No. I was like, I mean, I look at pictures of myself and maybe other people couldn't see it, but I can see it in my eyes when I look at the pictures of, I was um, just hypervigilant all the time because something's about to happen and just fried. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, um, I can't think of words big enough. Mm. And I have worked about 10 to 15 hours a week since becoming a mom and it felt like too much. Mm -hmm. It felt like more than I had to give. Yeah. Um, but just by the nature of, of, well, yeah, anyway, that, that was the amount I was working. Yeah. And, um, I would often talk about how like parenting's my first priority and I give that everything I can and I do a good enough job at my job um, and my standards are pretty high so I yeah. do like a good job at my job yeah. um, but my job definitely like I definitely had to step that back after my first child was born because I just couldn't um, but then that's it I'm tapped out so it's like I pour everything into parenting I do a good enough job at my job and that's all of where my energy goes so my relationship with my husband, my relationship with myself, with my friends, doing things that I love, mm -hmm. that was all like nowhere on my priority list. Yeah. Um, mm. And so I get to do all of that now. Um, I mean, someday maybe a pandemic will end and I'll get to actually see friends, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I have a few friends who I see. Um, <laughs> so amazing, an amazing thing um, is when I decided to come work with you, yeah. which we haven't mentioned yet here. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and I can talk about that more if you, if you want me to. Yeah. Um, but I was like a few weeks into it and I was like, oh my gosh, Tony, check yourself out. <laughs> like you, I still, my old job hadn't ended. So I was still working those 10 to 15 hours a week. Mm -hmm. um, plus doing, I don't know, maybe 20 hours a week with you. Yeah. And pumped about it <laughs> like the in a pandemic tony, with no child care <laughs> right right, <laughs> right. <laughs> the old tony never would have seen a job announcement and been like you know what i should do take on another job on top of my old job <laughs> but i saw that and i was like oh, i want to do that <laughs> and so for me to have the energy to like that would be great for me mm. i would love doing that mm -hmm. i know 
thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and when my energy isn't just completely zapped all the time, I can experience joy and and peace and um, yeah. contentment. Yeah. It's been such an honor getting to know you, Tony, and then obviously an extra honor to bring you onto the team and have you help me help more people. I mean, that's just fantastic. And um, we're only just getting started. Yeah. <laughs> so that's thrilling here. Now, with that being said, if you I'm not going to have you boil it down to one word, but if you could have, if, if you want, if you want parents to, to glean from, from our conversation, we've been speaking almost for an hour at this point, you know, what are the things that you want parents to hear from our conversation or know um, mm -hmm. that, that can be their takeaways from this conversation? I want people to know that it's possible for anybody to have what I just described. Mm. And obviously my situation is unique. Not all of you have a four-year-old who's punching your baby in the face. Yeah. But if you're in this group, it's because you have a highly sensitive child who is pushing you beyond your limits to handle. Uh, you came here because you need help with that. And I know, I mean, I think that's in my story where I didn't even ask Ashley because I couldn't even think outside of what I was in to imagine that there could be something else. And mm -hmm. so that's what I would want anybody to know is that what I just said can be true for anybody. And I say that with such complete certainty, um, you know, if they, if, you know, there's qualifications, if they are committed and they're up for doing the work. And um, mm -hmm. like I mentioned, it's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, we don't make changes by sitting back, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, what I said in my story about how my husband got on board, um, definitely, definitely both parents have to be willing um, because it's about changing all the dynamics in your household. Yeah. Um, but with all of those, if all of those checkboxes are checked, then um, you can have that freedom. You can have you can feel close to your child rather than feeling angry all the time or afraid all the time. Mm -hmm. And you can, I just asked my husband today, do you, did going through boot camp change the way you think about yourself as a parent? Mm -hmm. He's always felt pretty bad about himself as a parent. Mm -hmm. um, because if you're measuring your success as a parent by your child's behavior, yeah our child's behavior was really bad. Mm -hmm. And and I don't just mean the punching, like that was really just like the six months before we met Megan. Yeah. Um, it, it was more um, just like the huge reactions to everything and meltdowns all the time. And we just like, we couldn't do things. Yeah. Um, and so he's looking at that and like, well, it seems like I'm a pretty crappy parent. Mm -hmm. And so I asked him today, has your perception of yourself as a parent changed? And he was like, I feel competent. Uh -huh. I. I don't always know what to do, but I know that I can, you know, go back and rewatch the stuff from Megan, or I can ask you for a reminder. And 
That is amazing for a parent who, I mean, for a person who historically hasn't had a lot of faith in himself. Yeah. Um, that wow. I'm so glad I that question today. Yes, me too. Yeah. I'm so glad so, that he like, said that for himself too. Yeah. So mm. like, no matter how beaten down you feel, I bet my husband felt at least that beaten down also. Yeah. <laughs> No matter how, I mean, he had, you know, 30, I don't know how, how old he is. <laughs> yeah. You gotta do it. 40 years, 30, 40 years, I don't know. <laughs> I think he's 42. <laughs> he had 42 years of beating himself up about everything. And yeah. so for him to be able to come from that place and like, but you know what? I'm going to really work this. And now, you know, we're only two months out from the program no. maybe not even if I don't know how old my husband is I don't know how I would know your start date <laughs> we started on April 30th I know that oh okay great <laughs> so anyway um, but for him to be able to go from I'm a crappy parent to I've got this mm -hmm. doesn't mean I do it perfectly I mean that's part of the growth for him I don't have to do it perfectly but I am chipping away at this and one of his, one of the most heartbreaking things, I mean, like I could give you a long list of heartbreak that we had before we met you, but was that he and my son weren't close. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, that was challenging for me because it meant all of the emotional parenting fell on me. Yeah. But it was heartbreaking for him because he, yeah. um, they were really disconnected because he just didn't know how to respond in ways that supported our son and so our son didn't want to go to him right uh, it was he was really 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 just torn up about that and now when our son is upset he will go to whichever parents closer I was sitting on my hand that's why I didn't pull that both hands to raise up <laughs> <laughs> it was delayed <laughs> wow yeah and so I like I get to see it on my husband's face what it looks like when our son goes and hugs him. I know. Oh my gosh. I can yeah. picture it now. Yeah. Yeah. And so like our kid knows that he's got two parents fully on his team. Yes. Oh. So that's the other thing that I want parents to know is no matter how damage do you think your relationship with your kid might be mm. that's not a reason to put up with it staying that way and no. you can repair it because mm -hmm. every parent wants that right I mean every parent wants to be the parent that they imagined they'd be mm -hmm. not the parent they feared they'd be mm. Ooh. that's powerful yeah wow well, Tony, I think that I don't think there's anything more to say unless you're thinking there is. <laughs> I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very grateful for the inspirational conversation we had today. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd love to end on a, on a candid note, if, if possible. What did you observe um, just in terms of being part of the group and what that was like to learn from other parents and and mm. to see like the whole thing 
happen before your eyes with other people, right? Because that's one of the things that, that some people come in questioning. You know, does this make sense for me to learn along other people or, or you know, how how is this going to apply to me if, if I have a completely different circumstance but my kid's highly sensitive? Sure. Yeah. So I'll try to keep this answer short because I just thought of a lot of answers in my head. Um, one of the things that was really valuable to me about learning in a group setting is that different people had children of different ages. And so I got a glimpse of what kind of issues are there at 10? What kind of issues are there at 12? Um, <clears throat> it was also really great to, I mean, I made one friend whose kid is close in age to me to have um, a buddy who, mm -hmm. You know, often she would ask a question, and I was like, "Us too." <laughs> that camaraderie. Yeah. Um, something that I often say, I kind of joke, but I mean it, is like, I'm not interested in making friends. I go wherever I go, and like, part of that was probably how exhausted I was by parenting. Yeah. Um, like I didn't have the energy to form any new relationships. Um, but like I just, like I'd take my kid to parent taught swimming lessons and just kind of like keep my head down and like, don't look at me other moms. I don't want to become friends with you. I don't have the energy to become friends with you. Don't talk to me. I, I can't to uphold social obligations. Yeah. <laughs> and so being in boot camp, I made really great friends. Mm -hmm. um, and like I'm saying, like not coming into it looking for friends. <laughs> <laughs> but I was so, I mean, I feel as close to these people as I do to friends that I've had for a really long time because we've, you know, gone through boot camp together. Mm -hmm. But because I've seen them share their hearts and I've celebrated with them their triumphs. Mm -hmm. And like, it's so rewarding to see other people reaching the goals that they have for their families. Mm -hmm. um, it, I mean, it fills me up just because I love witnessing somebody else having something wonderful happen. And it's also personally motivating and encouraging because like, wow, look at what they did. I'm going to do that too. And yeah. then <laughs> I'm going to get that result also. Yeah. So I just like from so many angles, it was so useful to have it be a group learning situation. Um, Another thing that is like, you know, the group coaching when we're on, on the call with other parents. Um, I mean, there were so many questions that I wouldn't have even thought to ask mm -hmm. or, you know, there's not time for me to ask 10 questions, but <laughs> 10 other people are asking questions. And so it's like, you know, my learning was just exponentially bigger than if it had been just me. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm incredibly grateful. I mean, I, I think that that is part of what, I mean, I, it seems like that's integral to the success of mm -hmm. this program. Um, because like I said, it just really just multiplies the learning um, quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so for you, it didn't feel like you were one of many. No, because I also had one-on-one -on -one support whenever I needed it. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're asking? Well, yeah. Um, 
the the angle of the design and and why that was helpful for you so one of many um i guess i don't know exactly what you mean by that phrase but well, when we think about it? sure so a common misconception that i hear from far- parents um even parents in our private practice who mm-hmm. need to learn what we teach and also get individualized support there's two you know, two, two objectives in, in changing this um, dynamic. Um, they may have a belief that, that those lessons need to be taught privately, and uh, if they're taught in a group, they won't get the result that they're looking for, right? So they, because they won't get enough uh, focus on them or something like that. I, I see. Okay. No. I mean, I think that's part of why I didn't understand what you were asking. <laughs> because no, that was not my experience. Yeah. No, I mean, um, there was the group teaching and then there was the individual support and I reached out often for that. Yeah. So I got my cup filled with that every single time I needed it. Mm-hmm. And within the group setting, it wasn't like someone standing up in front of a room lecturing to a group of people and we're all taking notes and taking it in. It was you talking to this person and then this person and then this person. Mm-hmm. And so when it's me being talked to, it's like me getting full individual attention. And when it's the other people, I'm like paying attention because that's really important also. Yeah. Um, so it really felt like individual attention multiplied by all the people that were in there mm-hmm. all to my benefit. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. okay. Yeah. Like, rather than you being diluted among all the people in the group, the power yeah. of you was multiplied by all the people in the group, mm. was my experience. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Anything else that you'd like to add for the other mm. questions I didn't ask that you'd like to make sure people knew? I think one thing that was really reassuring to me about working for you, with you was um, that I could rest in your expertise. Hmm. So hmm. I had been trying for so long to figure it out and vacillating between beating myself up because I hadn't figured it out and then like, if I just pour some more energy in, I'll get this, I'll figure this out. Yeah. Um, and those were the two places that I lived. And then I found you and I was like, oh, she's figured it out. Mm-hmm. And so that allowed me to focus on parenting rather than learning how to fix the problem. Ah. And so, or I mean like I learned from you, but rather than like searching out how to fit, fix the problem. Yeah. Um, and so that in itself was a huge relief in terms of my energy expenditure. But then here's a person who has figured this out, you, and you gave me a little bit at a time. And so for a person who was already so burnt out, I mean, I came to you really on the heels of, it had been a couple months since I'd done a month long course with somebody else. Yeah. Um, which my takeaway was connect with your child. (laughs) So, um, but with you, it was like, here's the next step, Tony. Do this. Mm-hmm. Focus on this. Do not worry about the rest. Mm-hmm. 
do this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you mean I don't have to know how to solve this problem completely? And you were like, nope, just do this and you're gonna start having some changes. Mm-hmm. And I did it and we started having some changes and then I got some more space in my head and my heart and there was some more space in our family and we were like, now we have the energy to do the next step. Yep. Now we have the energy to do the next step. Yeah. And then once we're doing all the things, we're like, look at this, it's working. Right. Um, right. So that was perfect for a person who had no energy to take on something new. Mm-hmm. That it was so, I mean, I've, I've spoken a few times about how much work it was, but I don't want that to sound like, I mean, I don't know how to tell you again. I've already said a lot of times how exhausted I was. (laughs) (laughs) Exhausted. (laughs) Exhausted with emojis. (laughs) It's a lot of work and it was like a relief to be doing it. Uh, Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess that was the one last thing that I want to leave people with is like, it's not like, I think when I said yes to it, I was like, okay, I'm going to pour myself into this for two months and it's going to be so much, but it'll be worth it because on the other side we'll be somewhere else. And it was (laughs) like, no, we're two days in and we're starting to be somewhere else. And so this is freeing us up already. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a benefit that I didn't even know was going to come. And that was, yeah, we just started getting relief right away Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we needed it. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for having this wonderful conversation and showing people what's possible and helping parents learn what's available to them in in terms of shifting. You know, we busted a lot of myths today about how long it needs to take or how many support systems you need to have in place or how much expertise you need to glean in in order to solve the problem as well, right, as a parent. So if you are resonating with Tony's story or the experience that she had as a parent of a highly sensitive child with significant needs and significant meltdowns Mm -hmm. and you want to get out of it, then go to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash talk and we'll see how we can support you. Yeah. So thank you, Tony. It's been a pleasure, and I'll speak to you probably later today. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Megan. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for joining me for this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week. So be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in hearing more about how to eliminate the meltdown cycle, I invite you to check out our free masterclass where we cover the five steps our clients use to eliminate the daily meltdowns. You can register for the next training at meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash five steps. That's the number five S-T-E-P-S. meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash five steps. Have a great day.